Welcome back to Beards and Brews. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, ring that little bell, so you know when we have another one brewing. This week's review, Inglorious Bastards by Quentin Tarantino. Fellas, what'd you think? Uh, Weinstein and the Footman team up for a two-hour romp <laughs> to 1941 France. So, Weinstein yeah. and the Footman. That sounds like a like a TGIF Tuesdays at 7:30. It's nah, the man. ultimate buddy cop thing. The, the the show in this film is Jew Hunter Mondays at eight on TBS. Oh, like I wouldn't even know the catchphrase. Got any milk? Ha 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 ha. But yeah, um, this is the second time that I've seen this movie. I enjoyed it the first time. I don't want to spoil anything just yet, but I fucking loved it this time. Oh, yeah? yeah. I remember seeing it in theaters, and I loved it a lot. This time, mm-hmm. I like it. Really? Okay. I'm right there with you, Eric. I fucking thought this was a good movie. Uh, watching through the second time, it's not a bad movie. I couldn't find anything really to pick at. There's nothing wrong with it. The pacing's good. It's just really long. And once I knew all the surprises and things like that that were coming and the lines and all those, it kind of, it's one of those movies that after you've seen it that first time, you don't need to rewatch it, in my opinion. I guess so. I think I might be on the same page as that. But, you know, thinking back, like when I was watching it this time around, I could definitely appreciate the filmmaking more than the actual story of the movie. Like, I already know the ins and outs and all the really cool dialogue in this movie. I was appreciating just the overall building of tension and release as the movie went along. That's kind of where I was. Um, I appreciated the filmmaking more. And like you said, the building of tension was incredible, especially in just a couple specific spots. I think it was a really good job they did with just building tension in those spots where tension needed to be built. A good segue there would just be the opening scene. You know, Mm -hmm. we're in France in some cow pasture or whatever, 1941 or something like that. I don't know. That sounds about uh, right. Yeah. and, And these folks are just doing their cow farm stuff and knock knock it's nazi germany at the door and uh, christoph waltz is just fucking imposing colonel hans landa yeah just him being on screen you just have this like uneasiness it's like man this totally looks like a guy who fucking shoots kids for fun yeah absolutely and christoph waltz does a really good i'll say a phenomenal job at balancing that his character is openly very friendly you know he's never saying anything directly threatening to anyone that he's talking to he's always just very personable smiling but you can tell he's got this like murderous personality just behind that that mask that he's wearing no i I, I 100 completely agree uh to me christoph waltz is the star of this film hans booby is fucking (laughs) killing every time he's on the screen booby no, it's like, yeah. come for the Americans, stay for the German. The German? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just like his overall... Like, he himself, he's not imposing. Like, his stature is very, I don't know, regular. He's not a big guy. He doesn't come off as, like, a brute or anything. It's just his demeanor as that particular Nazi is just super unsettling. And even though I've seen this before, just seeing him look at another characters and you see... Like, the cogs turn in his head the entire time. It's super mm. fascinating. It's kind of odd. Like, he supersedes the movie. Like, his rank is colonel. That's what he is in the, the Nazi army, the SS, whatever it is. But he actually calls himself a detective later. And I think that's uh, a really interesting dichotomy. Like, he's out to kill, but he's already... But he's also out to detect, you know? <laughs> Yeah, he's he's basically like Batman, but he hunts Jews that he refers to as rats. So he's Ratman. Oh, they call him they call him the Jew hunter, but you know that's really unfair. He kills a lot of people, not just Jews. Oh. Sure, Jews were a part of it, but not just Jews. That's like that bullshit T-shirt from uh, Walmart or whatever. It's like I'm not racist. I hate everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but you know, he goes in, he's like, let me, let me talk to the, the patriarch of this family, you know, alone, you know, kids go, go outside and play, do whatever. I've got my man out there. They're playing. They're probably not playing. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Like hard cut outside. And they're just like having a frolic with the, the SS officers. Yeah. They're and, doing a uh, volleyball with Tom Cruise. Spike it, Franz, spike it. Yeah. <laughs> But he goes in and he asks for a glass of milk, this being a dairy farm, that's that's not too off kilter. 
Now, is that like a, a thing, like a, a symbol for like the whole white supremacy thing, like the whole milk spiel? I don't know, but I think it. I, I just think it's a little bit weird. A grown ass man asking for milk. Yeah, totally. I don't know why that's weird. It, but it does is. a body good, y'all. Come on. He needs some milk. <laughs> <laughs> now. He goes into like this whole interrogation spill because he already fucking knows that there's Jews there. He knows because yeah. he's that great of a detective. And the guy's like, well, can I smoke my pipe? He's like, sure. Do you mind if I smoke mine? Dude, I oh, you, He whipped laugh. out his fucking saxophone. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It looks like one of those like little kid toy saxophones. Like the, the owner of the house has this little like normal looking corncob pipe or whatever. Meanwhile, he just like whips out this elephant trunk. <laughs> I mean, like, I understand, like, visually, it's like a metaphor for, like, almost like the power struggle, because even though it's that Frenchman's home, he's asking Hans Booby, like, what he can do. It's like, you know, if it's, is it okay if I sit down here? Is it okay, you know, if I smoke here? If it's okay, I do this. The, the yeah. tension they set up here is also really good. I don't want to take too much away from that, but, like, anytime that his character is there, it pays to really focus in and listen to what's going on. Like, if you see Brad Pitt, he's just spewing some nonsense there for a good time. But when Hans is on the screen, it's time to listen. Mm -hmm. And that does... There is a little bit of difficulty for me with that, uh, especially when I was trying to take notes, because this film switches between three languages. You've got a little French, a little German, and a little English. Yeah, this is definitely a scene that certainly helps to have subtitles on the yeah. whole time, just in case. Mm -hmm. Because there is, there is a reason behind that, because everyone there speaks French. It's a French family hiding a French-Jewish family underground. Spoilers. Um, Germans obviously speak German, but between them, they can speak English. So whatever dialogue they have, the hidden Jewish family can't understand, period. Now, speaking of all these different languages, can we discuss the fact that this man speaks five throughout the film, I believe? English, German, French, Italian, what else? Okay. That's still yeah, but, fucking impressive. But yeah, he speaks them very well, too. Yeah, it's a really good setup because later on the movie, whatever, spoilers, there's a moment where they uh, concoct this plan where they have to play a bunch of Italians because, you know, German officers, they can't quite get a grasp on Italian accents and stuff like that. But this guy, he is like 100% ravioli. <laughs> Yeah, he, he can definitely tell a SpaghettiOs and meatballs versus a Chef Boyardee. Or Lamy. <laughs> what? <laughs> I heard somebody in the background go, Gorlami. <laughs> it was me. I just took my mic really far away. Uh, but yeah, uh, he he pretty much knows that there's people on the floor, and he's like, hey man, if you give up the rats, you get a prize. And the guy does, in fact, give up the rats, the prize being with cheese as as his floor yeah like you can tell he obviously doesn't want to but he's like hey if you don't tell me that you have anything my boys are gonna come in here wreck up the place and he's gonna they're gonna find it anyway if you tell me what you've got then you know things will go well for you and he reluctantly says you know okay he's like you've got the family of jews here yes they're hiding under your floorboards aren't they yes Okay, and then he just fills the floor full of lead. Just annihilate that family. <laughs> yeah, the one gets away, and uh, she's extremely important to the plot later on. Hans even has a moment to where has her in his iron sights on his pistol, and he's just like, I'll, I'll just get you later, you rascal. Yeah, I'm, su I'm such a Nazi, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like he's kind of playing with them. Oh yeah, of course. Like you mentioned earlier, like, you know, up front, he seems like a very well-educated, well-spoken, friendly dude, but deep down inside, Nazi. He's, he's unfortunately brilliant, too. Like, by the end of it, whenever he unveils his master fucking stroke, you just go, okay, man, this was well thought out. Yeah, like, I don't know that it was well thought out, but I think it was very well, like, conceived on his feet. It's like, all right, this is what's going to happen. How can I take this uh, and, you know, it, it turn into the best for me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But then, like, hard cut, it's now, like, 1944. Presumably the war is kind of, like, you know, waning a little bit. The uh, the Yanks are on the beach and everything, and there's a little bit of, like, hustle and bustle amongst the old uh, German kraut folk. The it's kraut folk. The kraut folk, yeah. I love it. This is also where we get introduced to uh, Brad Pitt and his band of merry men. And by Brad Pitt, I should say Sling Blade. 
<laughs> he does talk out of his like lower lip a lot. It's kind of weird. Let me introduce you to some Nazis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uncle Sam wants you. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's an uh, attesting to the writing of the movie. Like we know, like you know, he's like that over-the-top bombastic American. Mm-hmm. He's there to just like to preach everything matter-of-factly, get in, get out, whatever. And it just lets the rest of the movie breathe. Like, you know, like, this is what we're here to do. This is what I want from you. It's almost like exposition in the best way. You letting the movie, uh, saying that it lets the movie breathe is a good point because after that first scene, which is incredibly tense, you turn over to Brad Pitt and his group of inglorious bastards. Yeah, it's basically like hard cutting to that fucking painting of Ronald Reagan riding a velociraptor, you know, <laughs> with fucking Uzis in each hand. It's just like Yeah, Brad Pitt plays this like overly confident good old Tennessee boy. And he is the is he the leader of them? I guess yeah. he's the leader of this group of Nazi hunters. They're US soldiers, pretty much what they do. They hunt Nazis. Yeah, we, we find out a little later on that they're actually uh, a group of folks that have been put together by the Secret Service to kind of like go behind enemy lines, unnoticed by everybody, just to basically wreak havoc and just cause fear. Yeah, you definitely want to go over there and commit war crimes. It's what you got to do. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. But like my favorite thing about him is this absolute like John Wayne, Tennessee swagger accent. We've talked about it a little bit, but like... It's perfect. It's so good. I mean, the fact that he, like, overemphasizes the T in Nazis. This is what sells it. Yeah, 100 Nazi scalps. And he will get them scalps. But every scene that he's in is pretty much, like, that's comic relief. Like, his, his uh, I was going to call him lyrics. His dialogue is all great. And, and it really, like, lets you breathe after that first scene and before we get into some more tense things down the road. Well, we hard cut again to good old Hitler. He's so fucking sweaty when it pans to him. He's just like, nine, 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 nine. He's just fucking sweatler. It's probably all those amphetamines. I mean, the dude was loaded 24-7. And he's there, and he's got to talk to all his boys because he's so upset that the inglorious bastards are being beyond successful at their job of killing Nazis. And he's specifically talking about this one they call the Bear Jew. And he really doesn't like him. He's speaking to a gentleman who had gotten away from one of the uh, bastards' excursions. And, you know, we cut again to, like, how it played out. And we have this high-ranking uh, Nazi just on the ground on his knees. Brad Pitt's playing with him and shit. It's like, hey, <laughs> you, you gotta tell me uh, where your buddies are located and what kind of artillery they're having. And he straight up just, like, says, hey, fuck you. He's like, well, all right, I'm gonna have my buddy over here. Probably heard of him. A la Bear Jew. And he's going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> and they do. They feed the bear Jew, this dude. But there's like such, like you can't not respect this guy who's about to get his head caved in. They're like, give me the information. He goes, I can't give you information that's going to get my fellow, you know, Germans killed. He's like, I can't. He goes, well, I'm going to crush your skull in. He goes, all right. He goes, hey, man, what's that metaphor? Killing Nazis? He's like, nah, bro bravery let's get it done <laughs> and this whole time that they're having this conversation he's talking about the bear jew you hear this like clonk clonk yeah clonk. it's very it's very warriors-esque you uh-huh. know it's in the background you hear some baseball bat clinking around you're like who is that who's that guy yeah and then just like with very little fanfare i feel like he actually makes his appearance he comes out and then just beats the shit out of him with a louisville slugger now in this role, the Bear Jew is played by Eli Roth. Now, originally, Quentin Tarantino wanted Adam Sandler to fill this role. <laughs> I shit you not, that's an actual fact. And knowing that, now, watching this movie again, the whole time, I'm just picturing fucking... Beating the shit out of fucking Nazis baseball That's why they can't have that. He would have been like, Whoa, I'm gonna cave your brains in. Whoa. He's gonna hot for a Nazi out here. He's going to come out swinging the, the baseball bat, singing the Hanukkah song. <laughs> he's like inching the bat at his face once, twice, and then he's like, Shabba-da-doo! And he swings real hard. I, I want the Sandler cut. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to stick with the Zohan. I think he's better there. Israeli Special Forces is where Adam Sandler belongs. But I'll tell you, I didn't even recognize Eli Roth like to, when he came out. Like, I don't know what 
what it was about him, but he just didn't look like Eli Roth. I thought that was like Zachary Quinto. Oh, I mean, I get that, but like, you probably wouldn't recognize him because, like, in this role, he's swole. Like, he's got those fucking arms. <laughs> yeah, he's thick. He clubs him to death, and they really give you, like, a little highlighting of the difference of soldiers. In the meantime, while this man's being bludgeoned to death, the <laughs> other guy's pissing his pants, and, like, <laughs> this is where the bad guys are. Yeah, like, while he's coming out on his way out, uh, the one kid, like, the not kid, he's a he's an adult now, he just looks like a kid, from Freaks and Geeks, he's standing there with him, like, holding his arms behind his back or something, oh, yeah. he's like, I'd be pissing myself if I was you. So, is that is that piss wasser in your pocket you got there, buddy? Ah, that's a beer reference. But yeah, the next guy, there's what three of them that they have captured. They yeah, beat the, the shit uh, out of the first one. The second guy, they just shoot in the head. I mean, just quick shout out to the second guy. Like they beat the shit out of the commanding officer, or whatever. And I think the second guy was. I don't think he was trying to run away, but I think he was trying to, like, run to see if, you know, he was okay. He was obviously wasn't. And the dude behind him is like, nope, one step, and he's out. He's fucking done for it. Yeah, and then the third guy just doesn't play any games with it. It's just like, hey, here they are. Please don't kill me. There's 12 of them. Let me go. And they do. They're like, hey, man, we're going to let you go. But first, I'm going to carve a little Z in your forehead. Yeah, once <laughs> once all this is over, you'll be able to take off that SS uniform. I'm going to give you something you can't take off. And that's war crime number 722. Uh, but how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. That's right. Thanks, Fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger and Last Action Hero. You did it first. <laughs> now we're treated to uh, subplot A with the love and hate between a Nazi soldier war hero and the escaped young Jew. True. Yeah, in the four years that had passed, the uh, the young lady who escaped from Hans's grasp at the beginning of the movie now owns a movie theater where she employs uh, one young gentleman. And this, uh, I guess, unbeknownst to her, a very famous actor, Nazi slash sniper slash everything else, uh, starts to hit on her one day, and she's just like, "You, Nancy." Yeah, her name is Shoshana, and uh, now she's got different papers, a different name. You know, she's trying to live her best life somewhere in France. As a theater owner, meanwhile, the Nazis are in town. Yeah. <laughs> and we have young war hero Nazi kid that's like, you know what? You're cute. I like movies. You like movies. We should be a thing. And she's like, you're a Nazi. I don't want to. But he's like, bro, we're in a cafe. We're just chilling. I went 250 and 0. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just fucking KD's banging. Like, not going to lie. Like, the way he spelt it out to him, because, like, uh, she's just in, like, some cafe reading a book, and he spots her again. And he's like, yeah, I'm a super war hero for uh, fucking Deutschland. I killed like 50 men. She's like, oh, on the first day. Oh, shit. And the second day, like 120. And the third day, 30 altogether, you know. And then everybody around him is greeting him, like hugging him, shaking his hand, like, you know, celebrating him. Yeah. Oh, look, it's Unt Famous, man. Can I have autograph? Yeah. He's like, yeah, man, you got it. I'm fucking cool as shit, dude. Yeah. And then he explains, all right, yeah, this is what happened. Uh, this movie that's coming out, Nation's Pride, is about me. Also, they wanted me to be in it, so I guess I'm a movie star now. So it's all it's all just a, a big thing, you know? Made for me, by me, starring me. Oh, no. It's Tommy Wiseau in Nation's Pride. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. That's amazing. Please make that. <laughs> I Can did you... not kill 250 <laughs> men. I did not. Oh, hi, Hitler. I'm <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> it's got to be done. Yes, please. Like, can you just imagine that whole fucking um, florist scene where it's like a bon long stroke <laughs> happened at some, like, Nazi cafe? Oh, God. Uh, yes, I just want to get a dozen roses from my Fräulein. <laughs> <laughs> You're my favorite Nazi. <laughs> so, anyway, how's one sex life? <laughs> but she does tell him, like, I don't want to be your friend. Like, please piss off. Next thing you know, she's up, you know, fixing the, the sign on her cinema, you know, saying, you know, what's now playing or whatever. A German car pulls up and is like, get your ass in the car. You're coming with me. Yeah, it was a death cab for cutie. Ah, yes. Beautiful. And what's on, what's great on top of that is like uh, they um, meet each other again at this soiree and he's like oh you got my invitation how lovely and she's like they fucking sacked me in the back of your fucking car <laughs> he's like oh that's wonderful to hear hey by the way we're gonna we're gonna host my movie at your theater because i want to fuck you that bad 
It's not like, hey, can we host this at your theater? No, we're going to. We just haven't told you yet. This is what's going to happen. I mean, that's kind of how occupations work, you know? You get occupied. Well, she wasn't very occupied with Munch until old Hans Booby arrived. (laughs) Yeah, you know, they're sitting around with, like, some some highfalutin people, and then, you know, all right, agreements, it's over. And everybody gets up, she starts to get up, and Hans... uh, Lando, is that his name? Calrissian, Booby. yeah. Yeah, Kristoff uh, Waltz shows up and is like, hey, have a seat, I'd like to talk to you, and like pushes her back down into her seat. And this is another one of those really tense scenes to me. Like, everything's all light and everything until he shows up, and there's just dread in her eyes. Yeah, well, there's dread in that entire scene because the movie tries to pull your attention away as much as possible knowing damn well that's not the focus of what's happening hans is like hey try the uh strudel it's pretty good and they go through this whole shebang of like hey i'll have two strudels oh forgot the cream now we gotta wait on the cream it's crazy i can't nazi talk without cream it's crazy but it's true you cannot have your strudel without the icing packet (laughs) oh pillsbury but now another little addition to the to the tension that's being built is He's like, oh, I forgot drinks. Uh, an espresso for me and uh, a glass of milk for the lady. Ooh, call back. Remember when I killed your family? He's like, and you can't do a fucking thing about it. Leans in, and I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, at that point, you don't really know. Like, does he know who I am? That was four years ago. But his business is knowing who, who I am, who everyone is. Things are real tense. You know, I actually thought about that quickly while that scene was happening. Like, he should kind of know. You know, like, he should have done, like, the research and stuff. Like, who this lady is and why she already has the theater and everything, of course. And she he even asked that question. So, you kind of think he already, already knows. But I think at this point, uh, the call was coming up from, like, way higher. Like, he had, like, you know, Nazi Germany's number two in the room. Like, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and use it because things well see that's why i said earlier like i feel like this is well thought out on his part like everything that's happening he seems to always know ahead of time and then whenever something does happen he reacts in just the right way mm-hmm. so you can't say like hey this is a moment where like it doesn't make sense with the character but it truly does yeah he's very methodical and can think on his feet very quickly at the same time i don't know i feel like he's just doing it because he's good at it it's he could care less if it was for the americans or if it was for Nazi Germany or for the fucking French. He just likes doing what he does. Yeah, well, I mean, well, how everything transpires towards the end, I absolutely agree. And then after everything's settled there, you know, they're, you know, they have decided, all right, it's okay that we're going to host this at your cinema. All right, everything's good. But then he gives this fucking Columbo, oh, <laughs> but just one more thing. I, I can't remember what it is, but, you know, must not have been that important. So now we have like a C-plot pop-up, just very briefly, starring Mike Myers, the British intelligence fellow who's technically the handlers of the Inglorious Bastards and everything, and he comes in this room that's way too large for about three people, and like he's like saying like, hey, you know, we have uh, whiffs of this uh, whole congregation happening with like all the fucking Nazi heads, it's all going to happen all at once, and we need your bastard to go in and fucking infiltrate it. Yeah, when this scene came up, like I heard the voice and I was like, is that fucking Mike Myers? Yeah, I didn't is. remember him being in this at all, but I'm just like, really? I mean, he does fine in the one scene that he's in. It's just so out of character for him. This whole scene feels so out of place. Like, this is definitely got comic relief in the mm-hmm. film, but it felt more like a dark comedy until this. And then you go, okay, this is just silly. I, I think it's because, like, you know, all the soldiers are kind of like pawn pieces in this whole thing. You know, they have the bastards, the Nazis, and you have the young lady with the theater. I think this is a moment where we go, like, above the table. You get to see who's, like, behind the scenes doing shit. Yeah, just kind of, yeah, like, stir things up and be the catalyst of, like, how everything comes together. Yeah, because you've even got, like, a, a gentleman who's obviously supposed to be Winston Churchill there, barely in this movie at all. You barely see him, but there he is for his one one appearance. Not really giving orders, just like, yeah, let's do that. That's fine. Yeah, let's let's get those, uh, the German-born bastards, the one that can speak German or whatever. Let's let's do this uh, sneaky thing. Yeah, they, they put him with Michael Filmbender, and they're like, he's going to be a film buff, and they'll be his film crew. How's that sound? And they're like, do it. And we're going to pair him up with this uh, famous 
German actress. Uh, I don't remember her name. She's got like one of those long German names that have like four parts. It doesn't matter. A lot of vagina. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. It's like uh, Frau Farbissina or something like that. Yeah, it's yes. uh, Lily von Stupp. <laughs> <laughs> and the plan is to kind of get these guys together. Um, you know, the, the actress, she's a double agent, so she's in good with the Nazis, but she's relaying information, as she would. And they're all going to meet in the seedy bar basement, and certainly nothing would go wrong. Obviously. Yeah, it's, it's pretty foreboding from the second that they set it up, because even Brad Pitt's character is uh, outside going, mm, I don't think going into a dive bar in the basement's a good idea. Mm-mm. He, he roasts it pretty hard. Like, every bit of dialogue ends with, like, in a goddamn basement. You don't have to be Stonewall Jackson to know you don't want to fight in a basement. And he's just like, well, luckily, we're not fighting. We're rendezvousing. In a goddamn basement. <laughs> yeah. And rendezvous, they do. Yeah. Oh, goodness. This scene by itself is like a movie within a movie. It's quite insane. This scene oh, yeah. is so good. Probably the best scene in the whole movie, in my opinion. You have top quality actors down here. You have the character of Hugo Sticklitz. Chicklets or whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, <laughs> Michael Fassbender is there. Some other guy that doesn't play a big role. And then whoever the fuck this Nazi uh, Gestapo commander character is, mm-hmm. they are sitting at a table and having like a detective wise back and forth because an accent is off. More detective work, mind you. Everyone in the Gestapo is a detective. But the way they build this scene between the characters is phenomenal. When they start out, like, everybody's just in there having a good time. One of the Nazi guys, uh, you know, he's had his firstborn kid just earlier that day. They're celebrating. Uh, a table of them are playing this, like, drinking game uh, where you try and, like, name who you are and everything. And, you know, in the back of your head, you're thinking, like, you have all these major players, a lot of tension in the room, and you have a gentleman who just had a kid. So mm-hmm. you're thinking, how's this guy going to die? <laughs> that's That's the first thing you think. Okay, this is a Tarantino film. That guy's having a good day. He's getting fucked up. There are a lot of little things about this scene that make you, like, raise your eyebrows here and there that aren't necessarily, like, absolutely crucial to the plot. Uh, Like, one of the interesting things that I saw, when they all go in, you know, you you see the guys that are already there, the German soldiers, they're all like, schnapps, schnapps, schnapps. Everybody, you know, round full of schnapps. We're celebrating, you know. The uh, fake Germans go in, you know, try and talk to their uh, the actress that they're getting information from. They all order whiskey. Ah, yes. Very okay. telling. Let's uh, how about a uh, round of Warsteiners for the totally Germans over here? It's almost like you knew what I had in my hand. What I'm drinking on today is a uh, an old German favorite. This is Warsteiners German Pilsner, traditional German style Pilsner. Smells very malty, way more malty than you would have in like an American style Pilsner, like Budweiser, Miller, whatever, anything like that. You get a lot more body there than you would in American style. This is a full bodied beer, a little bit more of a hoppy um, backbone than you have. It's not overly hoppy. It's not like a India pale Pilsner or anything like that. This is a Pilsner, but it's got hop presence, which I love. This is really solid. Um, I don't know that I've ever had this before. I've seen it on shelves, you know, all over the place. Super popular import. But uh, yeah, this is a really solid European style Pilsner. I wish I was drinking it from a boot, though. Look, this guy uh, at the table is. It's like seeing someone actually drink out of a glass boot. I was like, man, what a fucking big dick move. (laughs) To me, it kind of reminds me of uh, the earlier scene with Hans Bubby when he pulls out the big oversized pipe. Everyone has a glass. But there he is with this giant fucking glass boot. Yeah. And this entire conversation is like the Nazi officer. He's just trying to like use his quote unquote detective skills and kind of like whittle down everything. Hey, how can Michael Fassbender sounds like an Englishman putting on a German accent? That's quite weird. Where are you from, sir? And he's like, oh, I'm from this very specific part that only three people live at. I was in this movie. She can vouch for me. And she does. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. This, it's all coming together. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, how many drinks would you like? And he holds up three fingers. That little nuanced moment, I'm trying to explain it, but like you just have to see it. Yeah. Because um, the entire situation just goes to straight fucking meltdown. Yeah, he's sitting there with him, this German officer sort of interrogating, and he's like, oh, you know, I'll I'll go. 
because he's like, you're, you're intruding. We're, you know, having a good time here. I'm catching up with my old friend. All right, I'll go. But I've got this 33-year-old whiskey here. You got to try it. Three glasses. And yeah, um, I'm sitting here with my roommate. And he was telling me a story about how when he saw first saw this in theaters, uh, he had previously lived in the Czech Republic, Central Europe. And that's a thing that they do. Three is with the thumb instead of, you know, index, pointer, and ring finger. So as soon as he held up index, pointer, and ring finger, my roommate said he gasped when he first saw this. And that ended up being the tell for everyone. That's just not how they say three. No. Yeah, the, the German pulls out his gun and is like, no one makes Wolverine claws here. <laughs> and then Michael Fassbender's like, listen, I'm British now, and I'm about to blow your balls off. And then we've got a third guy who hops in and is just like, and just for good measure, I've got my pistol right on your dick. And now that we have this, like, testicle standoff, you have this moment where, like, listen, let's not be smart aleck. None of us are going to make it out of here. Let's just fucking do it. He's like, but before we do it, let me drink this fucking whiskey. He's like, good on you, man. Drinks it. Ready? Yes, sir. Hugo. All right. Let's do it. And then everyone dies. Yeah. Well, at first they were talking about, hey, you know, whatever his name is, he just had a kid. Let's let him go. And then, you know, we'll settle this in here. And then shit just happens. Everybody gets shot except for the lady, uh, the actress, and the guy with the newborn. And there's a little bit of a Mexican standoff, German standoff here. <laughs> uh, the lady does get shot. She gets shot in the leg. She gets shot, but she is alive. True. She does survive. So does the gentleman who just had the uh, kid. And he had a very sobering moment who had been previously drunk as a skunk. He and Brad Pitt have a moment like, hey, listen. We need her alive. You'd like to be alive with her kid. We'll put down both of our guns and we'll go our merry way. After a little bit of like, you know, elbow grease or whatever, the fucking actress pulls out like a fucking Walter from her fucking, I don't know, prison wallet and blows the dude away. Yeah. Um, which like that was the end of a very good scene to me. Like that was like, oh, shit. It reminded me of Pulp Fiction. Where he's like, Marvin, what do you think? Bow! He's like, oh, man, what the fuck? He's like, I just shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Speaking of that scene, Samuel L. Jackson does make an appearance in this movie as the occasional narrator. I, like, whenever I heard him, I was like, who is, I know that voice. Who is, is that Sam Jackson? Now, Brad Pitt takes the actress later back to this veter veterinarian. And uh, he's like, you know what? Mm-hmm, this is pretty suspicious. You know what's even more suspicious? Me committing another war crime by giving you unwanted <laughs> penetration. And he sticks his finger into her bullet hole. I mean, like, I understand why he did that. Just to kind of, like, you know, check some boxes, make sure she's on the up and up. But, like, the information that she gave him was information he already kind of knew. Yeah, yeah, and not really sufficient for anything. He was asking her, like, hey, why'd you lead my, my men into, like, a den full of Nazi wolves? And she's just like, I didn't know they were going to be there. He was celebrating his newborn. You know, that, could, that is a coincidence. Yeah, So, and then he's like, so you're trying to tell me you just did not see this coming? Ah! Ain't that how sex works? Mm-hmm. Then he goes back <laughs> to poking the hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so my boys that were pretending to be German, uh, they got killed, so they can't go to this uh, this movie premiere anymore. What are we going to do? Let's do the only thing that comes to mind. You're an Italian. Everyone's an Italian. Let's go party. Yeah, how I like Italian, how... Bre you, how much Italian do you, do you know? And the guy holds up his hand and that Italian fingers. He's like, grazie. <laughs> and the guy's like, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the Italian hand is wonderful there. And boy, do they get some fucking mileage out of it later on. Yeah, thankfully we have this scene, which is still a little bit tense. But after that previous scene, it is a little bit more, uh, you know, comic relief. Because yeah. you've got, like, at the end, uh, Brad Pitt is like, well, I speak a little Italian. Uh, this guy speaks a little Italian. And then this other guy speaks, like, the third best Italian. He's like, I don't speak any Italian. Like I said, third best. <laughs> And how about you practice it by shutting the fuck up, Italians? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just, like, Razzie. sadly Razzie. hand gestures in the Italian thing. Oh, man. It's like whenever Family Guy tries to be Italian, they just say, Spaghetti, Shepardi, Meatballs. <laughs> Bippity boppity boopity. Uh, the next brief scene, we've got uh, Christoph Waltz going in, examining the wreckage of this gunfight that has taken place in this tavern. Mm -hmm. And 
he's like, what what happened here? You've got two dead bastards in German uniforms. There's a woman shoe, but no woman, so she's still alive somewhere. He has like a Cinderella moment with the shoe, you know? He's so good at all this because he's a member of the CSSI. Uh, David Caruso just with two S's. Yeah! <laughs> all at the same time, now that those building blocks are in place. On the flip side, B or C plot, whatever you want to call it, um, the young lady with the theater, she has a plan of her own. Now, since her theater is being occupied, her and her uh, fellow associate there, a young black gentleman who they have an affair with, you know, Nazis don't like any of that. They're like, hey, let's concoct this plan and just blow the shit out of this joint, killing everybody inside. Yeah, all of these Nazis are going to be here. Let's just burn the building down. And listen to David Bowie while we do it. Hell yeah. Man, that song they were black. Like, I swear to God, I thought that was Babel, the howling theme. Oh, Jesus. That's a reference. <laughs> I'm just like, saying. It wasn't, yeah, I think it, it's not a bad song. It's just, it's a little weird sounding. I, I think it's one of his later bits. Okay. Just before Christoph Waltz leaves uh, the tavern, he finds a napkin that's been signed, you know, with love, Bridget Von Hammerschmark, which I'm finally remembering that's the name of the actress. So he's like, well, what the shit was she doing here? And where is she now? We'll find out later. Next time on Dragon Ball Nazi. Ah! Damn. And we do find out. Guess what? She's throwing on a fucking red dress and showing up to premiere with a goddamn cast. And this scene is fucking brilliant. Like, I know, like, I might pull a favorite and do the whole bar scene earlier, but Brad Pitt sticking out like a sore-ass thumb amongst all these Nazis. Dude. And they're, they're not even trying their best with their Italian. They're just like, Gorlami. Yeah. The other two guys can play it off a little bit. They're fine. Even the guy who said he couldn't speak any Italian, he's fine. Brad Pitt is like as Chef Boyardi as it gets. <laughs> yes, he is. And... This, this whole in-between uh, with Hans and um, Johan Vanderschmutt, it's just, it's very poignant. Like, he knows it's her. Like, she's up to something. Mm-hmm. And she has this whole lie conjured up, like, oh, how'd you hurt your foot? Look, I heard it rock climbing on a mountain. And just the fact that he bursts out laughing the way he does, he does it in a way where it's like, I can't believe she couldn't think of something better to tell me than this horse shit. This motherfucker's a rock climbing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he gets into it a little bit more and he's like, what uh, what mountains in Paris were you rock climbing last night? And like her bullshit is like 100% cold and she tries uh-huh. to be like, well, you're embarrassing me. He's like, oh, I'm just teasing. Don't worry about it. Wink. But I'm going to need to talk to you in my office real fast because I got to kill the shit out of you. Come on in here. Let me get my uh, Quentin Tarantino foot fetish time, and then I'm going to strangle you. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yes, I had to bring that up while we were watching. It's like, yeah, this is definitely Quentin bringing out the big guns. That's right. Full foot nudity. Oh, he's got to be careful with that. <laughs> After he strangles old girl, he gets Brad Pitt snatched up. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. There is no doubt. He just grabs her around the neck and squeezes until there is life no more. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a scene that's almost uh, in the same way as the whole gimp, whatever from Pulp Fiction. It's just super shocking, almost. And then it hard cuts to Hans on the phone. Yes, the gentleman in the white smoke jacket, and mm-hmm. Brad Pitt just gets fucking sacked. Yeah. Uh, just real quick before we get too far into the final, you know, rendezvous, everything. There's one scene that I did really like that. Um, is real brief. It's actually Shoshana when she's getting ready, you know, she's putting on this red dress. Everything is in very dark, muted tones. She slips her pistol into her purse, but everything is dark, almost grayscale, except for her dress. And you can see a Nazi flag, a red Nazi flag waving outside her window. It's very Schindler's List. I get that. I could see the homage and everything, especially yeah. the Bowie. Definitely Schindler's List right there. <laughs> Now, with all the puns in place, you have uh, a couple of uh, the bastards that are in, like, the crowd and everything. They have bombs strapped to them. Good old Brad Pitt taken away to some back room or whatever to be somewhat interrogated. This is where, like, the entire movie just comes to a head. Yeah, this is the pretty much the, the final... I don't know that it's all one scene, but the final everything that we're doing mm. culminates to 
you know, you've got the big four of the Nazi party showing up to this premiere, including Hitler. Hitler's now coming now. Yeah. Like he's going to show up around like the three quarter mark of the movie and kind of surprise everybody like, hey, it's Mein Fuhrer. And it was like, well, shit, it is. He comes in laughing at the movie like it's a fucking comedy, though. Yeah. Dude, the way he laughs is so fucking disgusting. Like, I couldn't handle it. He's like, he's like chortling. <laughs> yeah, what? exactly. But the plan is going to play the first three reels, and they've created their own movie to put in Stand in Place of the Fourth Reel. And that's when the plan is to burn it down. Yeah, and like these two plans kind of play off of each other. You have these two gentlemen who want to just blow the shit out of the building, taking out the entire head of uh, the Nazi regime. And also, at the same time, you have that uh, gentleman that works, what's her name, whatever. Like, his plan is to not only burn the place down, but like he's going to lock all the doors, trapping everybody mm-hmm. inside. And boy, does that pay off for our like uh, little bastard fellas. Yeah, everything works out there pretty well once he barricades the doors shut. And you've got, like, every important Nazi in one room. Now, all the Nazis are all in one room. The two uncaptured bastards decide that they're going to go take a potty break and spot Hitler in his own private balcony. Now, yeah, I think they had, a, a like, a third idea there, because they had, like, a little, like, glove gun, which I've never seen before, but I assume yeah. they're real. Well, the movie turns into an episode of Hitman because, you know, the two Italian fellas sneak into a bathroom and they have, like, an outfit. They have, like, the whole shebang of, like, a champagne glass and a serving thing. And, of course, what you mentioned, they have, like, this, like, wrist, like, a punch gun, for lack of a better term. And they, like, peek around the corner like, hey, listen, I can get one guy, but after he's done, you have 30 feet to get the next guy. He's like, I got it. And they have, like, an almost, like, a Matrix moment where uh, the guy just fucking bum rushes a dude, knocks him in the face, blowing his brains out, and the other guy just, like, slow motion with a knife comes up and just yaks him. Yeah, this is the kind of scene where you really expect, um, what's the name of the the Stooges song, Raw Power, to be playing, like in uh, Life Aquatic? Now, being a D&D aficionado, I know that that 30 feet is base movement for a human character, and he did take the attack action on his turn with sneak attack an extra 5d6. Dang, dude. That guy's proficient. That's fuck. Exactly. And of course, like, I don't want to call it a ruckus, because it wasn't like a loud shebang or whatever that happened outside the door, but like, you have fucking Hitler on the other side of the door, and two dudes just get assassinated, and they just fucking just go through the door, and they're just like, yep, we did it, fellas. 10 out of 10. Mission accomplished. Yeah, it's because, like, there are gunshots going on, but the whole movie is about a sniper, so there's gunshots going on through the whole thing. I was like, oh, it's like Hitler's like, oh, what's those, uh, what's that noise behind us? Oh, it's 3D technology, sir. It's the finest in the land. Mein <laughs> Gott, it's mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> now, what we, uh, what we failed to jump to was in the meantime, we jump over to Hans, Bubby, and he's <laughs> sitting there making demands with Brad Pitt and the other member of the Inglorious Bastards, basically laying out a, a plan that he can make a phone call ruin their plan or he can make a phone call and be the hero of world war ii yeah and and it's kind of up to them and that goes back to what we've been saying this entire time like he's very reactionary so this could be an entire shit show for everybody or i can use this to my advantage yeah basically the idea is he's saying i can make a phone call and get hitler and all of his buddies out of there you might burn down the theater you might get a bunch of nazis but you're not going to end the war or I can not make a phone call and you can end the war tonight. But, you know, <laughs> I love the little question like, you know, would you like to end the war tonight? And Brad Pitt's just like, I reckon. <laughs> if you'd like to end the war tonight, press pound. If you'd like to end the war tomorrow, <laughs> press star. Yeah, but basically he's like, all right, get a hold of your commanding officer. I've got some demands for my conditional surrender. Yeah. And he lays out all sorts of stipulations that seem to be like lawyer-esque, textbook, you know, ironclad, I'm out of this, I'm scot-free, I'm a hero. Hey, guess what? Even you guys are heroes. High five. We're friends now. I get a Medal of Honor. You get a Medal of Honor. We all get Medals of Honor. Like, I wouldn't publish that I was a double agent all along. I was never a real Nazi, always, you know, in cahoots with the British. Um, I want farmland or you know a plot of land on nantucket island i want you know all of these things uh, i want american citizenship obviously that's brilliant all right you got that plan you're getting yourself set up 
for fucking life, even though he was a dirty fucking Nazi. And while like this little deal's kind of coalescing, at the same time, you have good old fucking war hero, fucking I don't know, Scruff McGruff. I don't know. He's just like he makes his way to the projector room where like uh, the lady who uh, runs the uh, theater, like her plans kind of coalescing. They already had like the fourth reel lined up and everything, but he comes up and is like, "Hey man, I just came here to fuck." This war hero hates rejection, <laughs> but he hates getting shot more. I suppose. I mean, same. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. he at least has the decency to return the favor. Dude, that was totally 100% Colin Ambulance, but not for me. 100%. Yeah. I mean, they both dead, but basically she's like, all right, lock the door. We can fuck. He goes to lock the door and she like pulls out her little pistol, fires three shots into him. And then she's like, is he is he dead? Oh, I, I feel bad. I killed this guy. Let me check on him. Well, that was fucking dumb. It was at that moment she realized she fucked up. Yeah, because he, you know, returns the favor, fires three shots right into her. Now, this war hero character, he is the epitome of all those kind of like, I was nice to you, therefore I deserve pussy, guys. Yeah, I was nice. I was a war hero. What else do you need? Please give me your vagina. (laughs) Like on a platter. Yes, I need to use it right now. (laughs) <laughs> just okay he just, war hero i mean he didn't even use the line like he walks into a projector but it's like you look real good right now <laughs> oh there's holes in me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, at that point it's too late anyways uh the fellow that is her real lover is standing behind the movie projection screen and he ignites the 35 millimeter film that apparently goes up like nobody's biz. Look, that old uh, 35 millimeter stuff, that whole acetate shit, that is a huge fucking deal. Like, I know the movie kind of plays it off. It's like, oh, we used to film stuff and it caught on fire and everybody's dead. No, that shit's fucking for real. That's exactly why, like, they have a hard time, like, restoring, like, the Wizard of Oz and shit because Mm -hmm. the entire place can burn down. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Like, I love the little clip that they, they spliced in after that third reel. Um, I don't remember exactly what it says, but it's like, once it switches, it's like, you are all going to die, and I want you to look deep into the face of the Jew who's going to do it. And this place <laughs> takes no time to just go up in flames. Yeah, this is, I think this uh, place was uh, built pre-asbestos. Hmm. Yeah, but for a place with marble, it burnt pretty well. Oh, you know. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of kept everything inside, you know? The fire was right here. Didn't let any of it get out. That's important. There was truly a panic at the disco theater. Oh! Hey! Yeah, yeah. you got all the all the Nazis inside, like, climbing over each other to try and get out. It looks like a scene from fucking World War Z or something. Meanwhile, you got the two fake Italians up in the opera box, just, like, mowing everyone down, filling... Fucking uh, Adolf Hitler, who's laying there already dead, trampled, just filling him full of lead to where he's more metal now than he is human. I like, I know this is fiction, but like, that's a surreal fucking moment. Just seeing like Hitler just getting fucking lead poured into him, his face flaking off and all that shit. So crazy. All of this right now is so satisfying. The whole ending of the movie is so satisfying. If you are a normal person and hate Nazis like me. Now. (laughs) As you do. I was laughing, but maybe for a different reason. The whole time that the two uh, inglorious bastards are in the balcony shooting down, all I could picture was the two angry, old, grumpy Muppet guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that always make fun of shit. They're just up there. Look at these Nazis. (laughs) I just like they're absolutely going to die up there. They might as well just kill as many Nazis as they can. Like confirmed headshots. Now, the last little thing that we're treated to is Ohan's booby uh, finishing out his bit of the storyline, which is to where they're supposed to get to the border, where they then switch places with Brad Pitt, you know, prisoner and detainee role switch respectively. And Brad Pitt goes, yep, we're going to do that. Blow! I shot your buddy. He goes, what's the fuck, mine friend? And he's like, I'm carving those Z in your forehead. <laughs> he's like, you're going to. Once you get that little plot of land on Nantucket Island, you're gonna you're gonna take it off. Once you get that little plot of land on Nantucket Island, you're gonna take off that SS uniform, aren't you? 
earlier in the movie when he did this to the other gentleman, like who spoke to Hitler and kind of tipped off the whole thing. Okay, it was gruesome. Like it's like a knife digging into a guy's forehead. And he's like, ah, shit, it hurts. But for some reason, like when he just fucking digs his Bowie knife into fucking Hans's head, it's like extra. I don't want to say crispy, but like it was extra just fucking deep and just fucking mm-hmm. filet in this guy. It was. It was like he was grinding out little grooves in his forehead. Yeah. The best thing I could liken it to is have you ever made a hot bologna sandwich? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta cut I the little grooves going. in it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Man. Yep. Next time I do that, maybe I've got to carve a little swastika in there instead. You don't want to have Nazi bologna. <laughs> <laughs> what, so had Zorro baloney? That's a fucking band name if I ever heard it. <laughs> My uh, baloney has a first name. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, But like the ending to that is just so satisfying. You know, it, you think the bad guy, quote bad guy, uh, is going to get away. In this movie, the bad guy, the ultimate bad guy, isn't Hitler. It's actually this Hans Lando fellow the colonel and you think he's going to get away scot-free to his his happy life on nantucket island with his pension yeah with his military pension and you know all of his decorations and everything but no he's going to have that swastika carved into his forehead for fucking life for sure it's like not even shit like plastic surgery can cover up or whatever (laughs) can't like graft a leg onto that the best he can hope for is to get into a very bad house fire and then like just gotta melt that shit off yeah then instead of a nazi he'll just be a burn victim for life burn victim for life he has the power of melt oh yeah. no uh, for me i i recommend this movie to anyone it's a fucking good film it's shot well extremely well acted by everyone on screen um the villain hans is wonderful and the the work put in by Christoph uh, Waltz with this character is mind blowing, and for what this movie is, you know, a gore fest kind of thing, it's still worth watching. Uh, my biggest issue with this film is the rewatch. Again, I watched it the first time, loved every second of it. The second one, it felt long. It's like a movie trilogy condensed into one film. Other than that, no complaint. I'm going to have to agree. I appreciate it. But this definitely marks a moment in his career where he goes from, like, you know, like the Jackie Brown pop fiction Kill Bill kind of uh, Tarantino to, like, man, I fucking love making film Tarantino. Like, you can see the cinematography is great. The dialogue is always great. I recommend it as well. Now, I'm not a Quentin Tarantino fanboy. I, for me, it goes everywhere from I love some of his movies to I hate some of his other movies. This is, in my opinion, his best work. It does run a little bit long, no doubt about it. What, two and a half hours, something like that? Mm-hmm. It's a little bit long, but I think every scene in here, aside from maybe the one with um, uh, Mike Myers, is needed, and every scene is good. From the opening scene, which is incredible tension building, to uh, the scene in the cafe to the scene in the tavern everything is needed and it just ends up being a masterpiece honestly i like i thought this movie was good to begin with i liked it now i love it well there you have it that's inglorious bastards if you have any strong feelings about the movie or the show by itself leave it in the comment section below hit the like and subscribe button too and make sure you hit the bell icon down there so you know next time we've got another one of these brewing Check us out on social media. We get that Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and a Reddit. So check it out so we don't have to, like, you know, act like everyone from the East Coast sounds like Sling Blade. Arrivederci. Ooh, I'll join out. That's all.